Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, believers and non-believers. I have a couple announcements before we get into the show. Stories with Sapphire will be going back on break next week for the holidays, and I wanted to remind you that if you join the Believer tier of my Patreon before the end of the month, I will send you a free signed poster. Not only that, but you'll gain access to the great bonus content from this episode and more. Head to patreon.com slash stories with Sapphire to learn more. And I also have some exciting news. Stories with Sapphire is now officially an award-nominated podcast. It was nominated for the Asian American Podcasters Golden Crane Podcast Awards. You can watch the ceremony live with me on December 29th. You can find more information at aapodcasters.org. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. I am often disappointed at how few brown American paranormal creators there are, specifically Asian American and Pacific Islander, considering how prevalent the spiritual world is to these cultures. So when I was connected to Lopaka Kapanoi through Lane Wilkin, I was so excited to speak with him. Lopaka runs a ghost tour called Mysteries of Hawaii and has a vast well of not only supernatural experiences, but knowledge of Hawaiian paranormal history. After today's episode, you will understand why these stories and beliefs are so much more than just myths and legends. And I hope any Asian American and Pacific Islanders are encouraged to explore their own histories and connect with the power that literally runs in our blood. This call is now being recorded. My name is Lopaka Kapanui. I'm from Honolulu, Hawaii. And my relationship, my, I guess my gestalt with the paranormal is I've pretty much been this way since I was born. And then it enhanced itself more when I was about seven in the hospital. And after I died <laughs> on the operating table, it became even more, I guess, uh, prevalent in my life. One of the most terrifying events happened a little before Lopaka became sick. I slept on the top of a bunk bed, and there was nobody on the bottom. Something under the bed kept, like, poking me under the mattress. It kept jabbing me every time I moved. So finally, I rolled over and looked at the bottom bunk, and nobody was there. But as I was looking, uh, whatever it was kept jabbing me harder, and it actually kicked the mattress right off of the frame. And so I ended up sleeping in the living room. I'm telling it to you now, it's like a couple of seconds, but this was like an hour not long after, Lopaka became ill, and his life was forever changed. 
so when I was about seven years old, I, up until that point, I was having um, problems with my kidneys. And um, one night at home when I was using the bathroom, uh, some blood was coming out, so I was rushed to the children's hospital. I was in the children's hospital here in Honolulu for a few months, and there was this 11-year-old kid in our, our wing of the hospital, and he managed to sneak in some Coca-Cola. And this was back in the early 70s when Coke was a lot stronger than it is now. And we snuck down the stairway and everybody drank, you know, a sip of Coke and it was bad for me. And so I ended up having to, to get some sort of surgery. And I didn't know this until I got home uh, from the hospital later on. But um, my mom told me that the doctor told her that I actually uh, died on the operating table for a couple of minutes. And she asked me if I remembered anything about it. And I said, the only thing I remember is laying on the table and the room was dark and there was this light shining on me. But outside the light, I kept hearing three voices who are arguing with each other if I should die or if I should live. <clears throat> and one of the, those voices ended up being my grandmother who said, I'll take him for life. Let him live. And after that, I began to see, hear and feel things a lot more than I used to before that. This is not the first time I've heard of something like this happening. In Season 2, Episode 1, June Ahern also shared how she had a spiritual awakening after a near-death experience. There's something that seems to happen when you die momentarily that lifts the veil between the spirit realm and the earthly realm. The only thing I can think of is up until the point where you have the near-death experience. And then let's think of it in Buddhist terms. Up until that point, your life is just, you know, going through flux or a sort of transition. But after you die and this thing happens to you, it's, it's realization. It's sort of like you're a lotus blossom that finally opened up, you know, after being in the muck for so long. One of the first heightened supernatural encounters Lopaka had after he had died happened while he was still in the hospital. A friend of mine who was sort of my, my roommate, his name was Scotty. And we're about the same age. And the whole time that we're in the hospital together, I, I never noticed the moment when he was sick. But one day, um, he wasn't in his bed. And when he finally came back, uh, doctors came back with him, you know, and his parents and family. And so, you know, they sort of like pulled the curtain between his bed and mine and everybody left. And then I guess the way the room was lit, I remember seeing his shadow getting off his bed and walking over toward the curtain toward my bed. And he started saying, hey, hey, let's go play. Come on, let's go play. And so I got of sat up on my bed, and I was about to get off the bed. He goes, come on, friend, hurry up, let's play. And so when I was about to hop off the bed, I didn't realize my grandmother was sitting there because I sort of just woke up myself, and she said, no, don't get off that bed. The second you touch that floor and you go follow your friend, you're not coming back. And he said, but, you know, that's, that's Scotty. But my grandmother said, that's not Scotty. She said, that boy just died. That's his ghost, and if you go, you're not coming back. Lopaka had always had supernatural experiences, but his time in the hospital marked the beginning of a new spiritual journey and was, in a way, a blessing. So Lopaka is a full Hawaiian person, but was adopted by a Portuguese family. And so they were traditional Portuguese, so they were heavily Catholic. I, I think you understand that. And there was a lot of Catholic guilt. <laughs> Before his time in the hospital, Lopaka would share the supernatural things he was seeing and hearing with his parents. I would see people, but certain people who look a little bit fuzzy. 
or I would hear voices. It's not a voice you hear whispered in your ear. It's actually something you hear inside your head. And so, you know, it was it was stuff like that. These stories terrified his parents. They believed that Lopaka was haunted by evil spirits, maybe even possessed by demons. Because of the um, the time that I spent in the hospital, my adopted parents had to get a hold of my biological mom to get a hold of some, some medical history. And so that's when she came into my life and I began to share with her these things. She says, oh, you know, there's nothing to worry about. You're, you're Hawaiian and that's part of who we are as a people. So she was instrumental in, in letting me know that I wasn't evil, I wasn't going to go to hell, that this was just a, a function of our universe as Hawaiian people. And so that made it a lot easier. At the original adoption, my adoptive parents got her to agree to never see me again. <clears throat> you know, so I think that was a sort of fate intervening. Without his biological mother in his life, Lopaka may have never fully understood his abilities. His journey was made even more difficult because of his adoptive father's treatment towards him. Constantly, constantly reminding me that I was not his son. <clears throat> and so when there would be like, you know, father-son baseball games, and I would ask him, you know, we should go do it. And he would say, oh, no, we can't because you're not my real son. Or when we'd be at parties or I'd be introduced to other friends of his, he'd always say, you know, this is, you know, my son Paul. This is uh, Daniel Jr. That's Fumi. And that's Lopaka. But he's my adopted son. So, you know, that that does a lot, you know, emotionally and psychologically. So there was filtering through that. So I could finally get to, to the point where um, I guess my my work or my understanding of Hawaiian spirituality was a lot more clear, you know, and not hampered by, by personal issues or insecurities, if that, if that makes sense. I, I think that's what spiritual journeys are all about. They're supposed to be uh, difficult. They're supposed to be hardship in order to get to, you know, to the garden, as they say. So dealing with that and dealing with the fact that, you know, I can hear, see, and feel things, it's it sort of forces you for a little while to, to live inside your own head because you feel like there's no one else that can understand. You know, and that, that is until my biological mother came into my life. And it wasn't until I, I left home, went to the continent, and lived on my own and came back that it, it made a lot more sense. And the reason I'm, I'm saying it this way is because now – I have a, a group that's called the Grant Society, G-R-A-N-T, which means Ghost Research and Native Teachings. And, you know, talk about coming full circle. About 10 years ago, I began to run into young people who discovered they had different levels of psychic ability, like uh, psychometry, uh, telekinesis, clairvoyance, clairaudience. And they didn't know what it was. They didn't know what to do with it. And their family members were not supportive. And some people, young people like that, actually ended up becoming substance abusers or um, committing themselves to, like, an institution because they thought they were crazy. And so just meeting them, what I thought was purely by coincidence and having sort of that same experience myself, I was able to, to help them understand that, you know, they're not crazy, they're not possessed, they're not going to hell. And I, I started to frame it to them in, in this way. I, I would tell these people, you know, all of your life up until now, you've been walking around with a nickel. But now that we've had a conversation, you now have a penny and you have six cents. Get it? I didn't, at least not right away. <laughs> you know, Sorry, it just hit me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in one case, this, this young man, he's, he's a great guy. He's like family to us now. He, he's clairvoyant. 
And when his mother sort of found out uh, what was going on, she took him to this church here in Honolulu to have an exorcism performed. And, you know, of course it didn't work. And on top of that, when he came out and, and told his mom she was gay, then she disowned him. Because she said, you know, you're possessed by the devil and, you know, he's, he's made you uh, gay as well, so you're no longer my son. Stories like this break my heart. Fear is a result of a lack of information and education, which is one of the main reasons why I created this podcast. So that if you're out there wondering if someone else has experienced what you have or has abilities that you have, you know that you're not alone. Lopaka had his biological mother to guide him in this way, so he knew the value of being that person for these young, gifted people. There are many people who don't know how to handle their abilities and become overwhelmed. So Lopaka teaches them methods that have helped him. Because of my own experience, I've taught them what I call the, the clock out theory or the clock out thing. You know, when you're out in your life and you're hearing, feeling and seeing and, and sensing, you know, when you finally come home, take a shower, you're done eating and it's time to go to bed, clock out. Vocally say before you go to bed, listen, guys, I'm off the clock. That's it. <laughs> For this duration of time, no more signals, no more voices or anything like that. Otherwise, it's just it's just nonstop and it. It's irritating and sometimes it's it's maddening. It took time for me to develop this mindset where, you know, okay, I'm off the clock and, you know, eventually over time it stops. And, you know, I tell ghost stories for a living. I have, I have a tour company. And um, a lot of times when I'm doing what I call storytelling concerts or podcasts like this or, or whatever, the people I'm, I'm talking to or the crowd that I'm talking to, everybody always has some deceased relative who's there and is trying to get a message to them. And they can't. And that usually happens because, you know, everybody's so busy with life and we're focused on life stuff. And so your uh, departed ancestor can't really get the message to you. So usually what happens is they go to the next sensitive person and give the message to them. So have you ever had a relative or friend of yours say, hey, you know, I had a dream about your Uncle John. It was really weird because I didn't know him that well, but he told me to tell you, you know, not to trust this person at work. And you would say, well, why would he tell you that? You know, he's my uncle. Why didn't he tell me? You know, that's what normally happens. What started to happen was people's deceased relatives would try to hijack the show and wouldn't let go until I acknowledged at least one or two of them. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer. And podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lupaka conducts walking ghost tours in Hawaii and has extensive knowledge of many local stories. You know, missionary uh, pastors, I guess, or priests bringing, building a church. And of course, they have to hire natives. And there's a story about one of these missionary pastors who, who meets this beautiful young Hawaiian girl and sort of breaks his vow to God and becomes involved with her. And he ends up dying. And so no one sees this girl and then she later on is seen as the mistress of a, a white plantation owner and he dies and then years later on a business owner of a waikiki hotel meets a mysterious beautiful young hawaiian girl and becomes involved with her leaves his wife you know his kids and he dies and so this beautiful hawaiian female spirit is is what they call hina and it's not hina the goddess of the moon but it's it's hina who is a representation of the part of our culture that was, I guess, mistreated and disrespected. So it's sort of that spirit that still lingers and sort of takes revenge on these, these men who come here to, to do us wrong, to disrespect us. A vengeful female ghost who kills colonizers? Hell yeah. I love a ghost whose violence is, to me, totally justifiable. I have said this on the podcast many times before, but the greatest lesson the spirit world teaches us is to respect the land and those who have come before us. And there's no ghost story that better exemplifies this than that of the Night Marchers. There are many documented accounts about missionaries who are, you know, traveling from one part of the island to the other to bring the word of the one true God. And sometimes they have to stop someplace, camp overnight before they can continue on. And there's stories about while these people are are sleeping on this trail, they wake up because something they can't see is, is kicking them, beating them, punching them physically, throwing them off the trail. And they can't see what's happening, but there's a smell of sulfur and they can hear pounding drums and they can hear Hawaiian chants. And they think it's the devil, but what it really is, is what we call in Hawaii the night marchers. It's the spirit of warriors who march in the last four moon phases. Well, the thing is, um, it's not really a legend because there's so much documentation over the years. They first appear in what we call the Kumulipo, and it's the Hawaiian version of how, how everything began, you know, from the time of darkness until man first crawled onto the earth and the night marches are in there. So they're the ghosts of warriors who march on the first night dedicated to the god Kane. And they process from mountain to ocean. They walk around along ridge lines, uh, rivers, underground lava tubes. It's not one particular night marcher path for every island. There are several different types. And the thing about that is the geography of the land has changed, you know, in the islands, but the trail is still, still the trail. So there's the first Hawaiian bank building in downtown Honolulu where they have night marchers coming through the 22nd floor. And so the protocol is when you hear the conch shells or the drums or you smell the sulfur, you got to get out of there. 
you know, that's sort of their warning. And so they say if it's too late, you're supposed to strip naked, lie face down, hands clasped behind the back of your head, and you can't look. And so sometimes when I talk about this on a tour or at a storytelling thing, people sort of giggle. And I explained to them, I said, I know, I know it sounds like a thing that was made up to, you know, make fun of tourists to, you know, convince them to do it. But what it really is, is the night marchers are walking in front of a, a chief when life was so sacred that as they passed, no one could be clothed and everyone had to lie face down. And if the sun casts their shadow on your body, you'd be killed. And so Kamehameha the Great, the guy who conquered all the islands, had a political wife. And her name was Keopualani, and she was higher ranking than he was. And because of her status, and Kamehameha the Great was like seven feet tall and just brutal in battle, took no prisoners. But he was also a very pious man, you know, religiously. So whenever he went to see his political wife, he honored her, her rank above him. And that rank required him to strip naked and crawl to her, and he couldn't look at her. And so that's sort of proof of, of this thing about lying face down with no clothes on. There's a story on on the, the Big Island. This was, I think, about 1948. A kid was constantly told by his family, during this time of the month, don't be here, because that place is for the night marchers. And he went out and did it, and the Hawaiians call it, you know, kalalau, just doing mischief. And sure enough, uh, the sun was setting, and he missed the sound of the drums, the conch shells, the chant. And they were literally, like, right on top of him. And the story goes, he just made it into his house, closed the door behind him, and this spear came right through the door and killed him. I was actually in a procession in the middle of my tour 10, 12 years ago. We were at this uh, Chinese cemetery, and there were like 38 architects on the tour who were mortified. And so I have to make them understand, you know, in order to do the ghost tour, you have to get off the bus, and we have to walk into the cemetery. And so we're getting to the top portion of this cemetery, and all of a sudden, you know, this wind just comes out of nowhere. It just rips right through the cemetery. You can see it bending all the big trees. And the thing about that is I could see the wind doing what it was doing, but I couldn't hear it, and I couldn't feel it. You know, it was like I was encapsulated, and it was really, really hot. And I looked in front of me, and, you know, the people on my tour were running back to the bus. And then it just ended. And I remember the following day um, calling my older cousin and telling him what happened. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, that part of the cemetery is a night marcher's trail, and last night was the night. And so I said, so if that's what was happening to me, then why wasn't I killed? And he said, this whole thing you're talking about, no sound and feeling encapsulated, he said, that's what happens when you have ancestors in the procession and they protect you. If you have knowledge of an ancestral chant or you know your genealogy or if there's a night marcher in the procession that's an uh, ancestor of yours, they're supposed to come and save you while the rest of the procession passes. No ancestry in the line, or you're not Hawaiian at all. They say you're supposed to urinate on your hands and rub it all over your body so the night marchers find you disgusting. Then he said it was a good thing that you had a, a really scared group that actually ran back to the bus, you know, right at that point. So he said it, it seemed or appeared kind of bad last night, but it actually worked out. This was not the only close call with the night marchers that Lopaka has had while conducting a tour. In 2001, we're at our last stop on our bus tour. And we're heading up the road to go, you know, hug that haunted banyan tree. And there's, I remember there were 40 people that night. And clear as day, even though it was nighttime up the road, we can see glowing torchlights, can hear the drums, 
the smell of sulfur, I, I remember, like, filtered down towards the group, and I, I told everybody, this is it, the tour is over, I'm sorry, you want a refund, I'll try to see what we can do, but we gotta go now, and everybody said, you know, well, what is that, did you stage that? I'm like, no, that's the night marchers, we gotta go. So, the people are hysterical, and they're pushing each other, somebody actually pushed past me and broke my flashlight, these uh, little Filipino girls, one of them, the boyfriend was like this six foot six holly guy, and they ran him over. And what even makes it worse is the bus driver sees it and he starts to reverse, you know, and not everybody's on the bus. So now I got to go chase the bus and yell at him, you know, stop. We can't go until everybody's on. Everybody got on, you know, we made it. And so it was, it was terrifying because here come the night marchers, but I have to make sure these people get out of here, you know, in one piece. As the night marchers gain more attention and popularity, you can see them in movies and paranormal reality shows. And Lopaka is not a fan. And I'm sure it's like this when reality TV wants to do anything about indigenous cultures. It's, it's disrespectful. They get the costuming wrong. I would like those reality TV people to come here and meet with me and let me take them to an actual night marcher trail so they can have the experience and understand, you know, why it's so important to us as Hawaiian people and why, why it's also sacred. Despite countless documentation of the night marchers and all of Lopaka's stories, there are still people who just don't buy any of it. Oh, you know, that, that's fine with me because I, I remind them, because a lot of times the comment from a person like that is, oh, that's just a myth or a legend. I, I said myths and legends is not a word that existed in our culture. That's an introduced word. We call it oral traditions, you know, stories that have been handed down from mouth to ear because we had no written language. Supernatural does not exist in our Hawaiian vocabulary because everything was natural. In our culture, the story had to be literally letter perfect. And so that's why, um, you know, my mom and my grandmother could, even though they had the genealogy written down, you know, you ask them a name and they, they can recite it. It was to the point in, in ancient times where if you were the person that was assigned to recount or recite a chief's genealogy from the beginning of time until that moment, and you made one mistake, they would kill you. Whether or not you believe these stories or oral traditions, maybe they have sparked your interest in visiting Hawaii. If you do, make sure you experience one of Lopaka's tours. And also, keep in mind this advice. There's this belief here in Hawaii that when you go to the volcano, you can't take any rocks because the rocks are an embodiment of the goddess Pele, the volcano. And so there have been millions of cases where tourists have taken rocks and sent them back to the volcano visitor center. And there's always a note, you know, I've had bad luck ever since I took the rocks. So you can take the rocks. All you have to do is ask permission and announce your intention as to why you're taking the rock and what are you going to do with the rock. You want to leave it on your um, your kitchen windowsill and water it and take care of it. You would like to add it to your daughter's collection of different rocks. Intention and permission in our Hawaiian culture is everything. So when we go up into the forests to pick leaves or stuff to make lei, we announce ourselves to the spirits of the forest and we ask permission and then we announce our intention. What is the life that this fern is going to take once it's made? And then what will we do with it? And to, to go one even further, when taking from, from the forest or other places, we leave something else in its place. 
There's more to paranormal stories than simply figuring out what's real or not. To me, the importance of researching these stories and speaking with people like Lopaka is found in the lessons I learn in how to be a better human, how to properly help those who are going through tough times by listening to them non-judgmentally, how to be respectful to cultures that are not mine, how to only take with good intentions and to give something in return. That is the purpose of studying the paranormal, to obtain these values that, I hope, believers and skeptics alike can agree on. To learn more about Lopaka and Mysteries of Hawaii, visit the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me today. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash stories with Sapphire to see the different tiers and perks like live watch parties or private tarot readings. If you join before the end of the year, you'll receive a signed poster from me. And there will be bonus content released from my interview with Lopaka available for patrons only. If you'd like to submit a story, email me at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and happy holidays. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sindalo. Special thanks to Lopaka Kapanoi. Music written by Sapphire Sindalo. For more information on this episode and my guest, visit storieswithsapphire.com.